So let's listen. Hopefully we'll have some time for discussion at the end, but, but listen with a mind to be ready to discuss what we cover. Okay. We, we might run out of time because we're, we're way behind right now, but we'll settle in here and, and, and just look at Ruth and Orpah's response to what Naomi said. Last week, we covered what Naomi instructed them, which is basically, I can't help you. The law can't help you. There is no hope for you where I'm going. You should just go back to your parents' house. Okay, go back to Moab. And then that's where we left off that last week in verse 13. This week, we start in verse 14. Okay, last week, by way of review, we saw that Naomi pictures Israel, who has no hope of redemption through the law. In the book of Romans, we read, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law was given not to establish righteousness by keeping the law. The law was given to show us that we have a sin problem. The law was given to show unrighteousness, not to establish righteousness. Okay, so we saw that last week. We saw that the law cannot provide rest. No justification. You can try to keep the law. There is no rest in the law. And one of our themes in the book of Ruth is finding rest. Okay, so last week, Naomi said y'all should just go home. And here's the responses in verse 14. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Cleaving, that's like a big hug, like she wouldn't let go. Got her in a headlock. Okay. Well, go, go back. We're not ready for that yet. Okay. There we go. And she said, Naomi says to Ruth, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back under her people and under her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Naomi kissed Ruth and kissed Orpah and told them to go back. Okay, Orpah kisses her back. In other words, Ortha kissed her goodbye. Orpah's choice is to go back to Moab, to go back to her gods. Now, look at your hand out there. Orpah's changed mind is letter A. So Orpah started with Naomi. She started with Ruth going in the same direction. They're all hugging each other. They're crying. They're kissing each other. They love each other. There's emotion there. There's no lack of emotion on, on Orpah's part. It's not like she doesn't care. It's not like she's not trying to do what's right. She's, she's moving forward in the right direction. In verse 6, talking about Naomi, she arose with her daughter's in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Orpah, in verse 6, is leaving Moab to go back to Judah, leaving the world, going to follow the people of God. Woo, moving in the right direction. Okay? Eight verses later, she's heading back. Okay, now, I don't know how long. They haven't reached Judah yet. I, I don't know where they're at, how, if, they, if they're just starting or they've been traveling a few days. I, I don't know. 
But I know this, it's only took eight verses for Orpah to change her mind. So Orpah changed her mind and then she changed her direction, went back home. Okay, James chapter one, verse eight. Okay, oh, by the way, yeah, let's go to the next one. She went back to her gods. This is Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. Chemosh and Molech are very similar. They both did children's sacrifice, would heat up the altar until the hands were red hot, and then they'd put the babies on the altar to sacrifice the babies to, to their God so that he, he would be satiated. <clears throat> Horrible. If you want to study out the gods of Moab, in Judges chapter 10, verse 6, it talks about gods of Moab, plural. And this is what you would see. There are regional gods. Or sometimes if you're reading through Judges or that sort of thing, or First and Second Kings, you'll read about how they worshiped in the high places. So if you go to other countries, maybe you go to India, for example, you'll be driving down the road and you'll see a shrine over in the field. And it's a shrine to a regional god. Okay, and, and then the people that live in that region have to go sacrifice and appease to that god or else their crops won't grow or their babies will get sick or their cows will die, something like that. So you'll have regional gods. So that's what it was like in Moab. So maybe you'd go up in the mountains over here and there'd be a shrine to a certain god and over there there'd be another shrine and and people would worship, but the national god was Chemosh, and then they had their, their other gods that they would refer to, and we see that in Isaiah 15 too, referring to Nebo. He was both a god and a mountain, because the sometimes the land, the, the place was named after the god, sometimes the god was named after the place. So anyway, so Orpah, that word Orpah means the nape of the neck, or like a mane, the back of the neck. So think of it like a white-tailed deer. Why do we call a white-tail a white-tail? Well, because when it runs off, it flags that deer, and that's a warning for all the other deer and animals around that there might be danger. So Orpah is the back of the neck. There was actually an antelope named Orpah for the same thing, because by the time you see it, it's running off, and all you see is the back of its neck. So it actually literally, it'd be like a white-tail, like, oh, there they go. There she goes. That's Orpah. She went back to Moab, the dog to the vomit, the sow to the mire. The man who puts his hand to the plow and is now looking back. Demas, who forsook Paul, loving the present world and headed to Thessalonica for Mardi Gras. Israel, who feared God, but also served their own gods. Lot's wife, looking back. Israel, halting between two opinions. Who is the Lord, Baal or God? Reuben, as unstable as water. This is Orpah, who started well, but all it took was one old lady telling her she ought to go back, and then she turns around and goes back. Okay, so key point number one, Orpah, let's see, James, yeah, there we go. So go, go, go back one, James chapter one. All right, never mind. That's James chapter one, verse eight. An unstable mind, uh, un go back, sorry. An unstable man, uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's Orpah. Hey, I'm going to Judah. Like she comes back home a week later. It's like, wait, I thought you were going to, yeah, well, see, 
I tried church and it didn't work out for me. Well, I, I know I said I was going to get that degree, but now I like, like just he's just changing, double-minded, changing the mind back and forth all the time. That's there's two types of changing your mind we're going to see this morning. This is the first one. Someone who's unstable, they just change their minds all the time. Back and forth, wishy-washy. They've started well doing a thousand things a thousand times throughout their life. And they just never, ever finish anything. They just keep changing their minds. Okay, we don't want to be un that double-minded man. So key point number one. Orpah represents the believer who's double-minded and unstable. People like this may start well, but they never get anywhere. This is the way of the world, by the way. Okay, Metaphorically speaking, in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 6, talking of the, the wicked woman, okay, this woman, were, like literally, you should avoid strange women, but figuratively speaking of alternative ways, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 6 is on a little box in your handout. Lest thou shouldst ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, if thou canst not know them. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to, to someone like that? And you're like, help me understand. And then as soon as you're starting to get somewhere, then they change the words, they change the meaning. They do a bait and switch on you. Okay, they're just, their ways are unmovable. You can never nail them down. There's no anchor that you can actually hold on to. That's the way of the world. Okay, so that was Orpah's response. Ruth, however, in verses 16 and 17, gives us a wonderful contrast. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. Here it is. You guys all know these passages. These are some of the most famous in the whole Bible. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord does do so to me, and more also, if aught but death art thee and me. Okay, man, that's amazing. This is Ruth's famous speech. Now, we saw Orpah change her mind. Well, let's talk about Ruth's changed mind, okay? So this is Ruth's changed mind. Ruth actually had her mind changed when she put her faith in the God of the Bible. We read in Romans 12, 1 and 2, these are my favorite verses in the Bible. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Okay, so where is the changed mind in this verse? Renewed. Renewing of your... And we are... What's transform mean? It means changed. Your, your mind, okay, you are changed as your mind is renewed. That's the kind of changed mind that we need to have. All right, this type of changed mind, unlike Orpah's, when she changed her mind and changed her direction, this type of changed mind actually makes it possible so that we're not wishy-washy, changing our direction all the time. So so let's let's look at Ruth chapter 2 verse 12. 
Okay. Ruth chapter two, verse 12 says, this is, we're, we're, we're skipping ahead. We fast forward a little bit through our story. We're in Ruth. Now Boaz is talking to Ruth as she's out in the field. Ruth is like, why, why are you helping me anyway? Why are you paying attention to me? I'm a Gentile damsel out here. Just, I'm a beggar gleaning in the field. Like, this is what he says. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Everybody could tell that Ruth had put her trust in God. All right. Well, I tell you, once that happens, once that mind change happens, that renewing, that transformation of life happens, and now all of a sudden you're someone who's put their trust in God, Naomi's not going to be able to talk you into going back to the world. Okay, now you've been set free from all that. Here's what Ruth said. Whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people will be my people. Thy God, my God. So till death, okay. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I, not only will I die with you, I'm going to be buried in this. I'm not, don't send me back home to Moab to the family cemetery. This is where I will live. This is where, where I will die. So Ruth is unwilling to go back. Now, here's our key point number two. Ruth represents the steadfast believer who will continue to move forward, trusting God. Whatever, wherever, whenever, with whomever, none of that matters. Okay, where God leads me, I will go. Am I going to go perfectly? Well, no, that's not, not what we're talking about. Okay, so, so at that point, verse 18, Ruth, uh, Naomi says uh, nothing. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left off speaking unto her. Okay, Naomi is telling them how hard it's going to be. Yeah, well, the law doesn't provide for you. I can't provide for you. There's no rest for you. There's no husband for you. And that's enough to convince Orpah to go back. But Ruth is like, look, whenever, wherever, however, with whomever, I, I don't care. I'm not going back. Okay, at that point, Naomi's like, well, I guess there's, she's just not going to go back. Can't get rid of her. No matter how bleak I make this look, my cost of discipleship class will not dissuade Ruth. Did you know Ruth is a verb in the English language? Ruthless. What's ruthless mean? ruthless is yes it's determined but in a bad sense yeah you know that ruthful is a word we don't use it anymore it's gone out of favor but it's to be the opposite of ruthless like it's like to be determined in and in, in, and 
committed to that which is good. Ruth, full, ruthless. You know where those words come from? Come from Ruth of the Bible. You're not like Ruth. Just call you Orpa or something. Orpa, there's no verb in the English language called Orpa. There's no, she has a talk show. There's no, uh, there's no book in the Bible named Orpa. Okay. Ruth was like the 37th most popular girl's name in the English language. Most popular about the time of the Balfour Resolution, interestingly. Take the class. S save the question. Let me finish, and then we'll get to our questions, because I'm about ready to finish this up. Okay. Naomi has nothing left, left to say to Ruth. She realizes Ruth isn't going to quit. I mean, if she's walking to the gallows, Ruth is just going to keep moving forward. Ruth doesn't care. She is trusting in God under whose wings she is now living. Okay, so this is where this is where Ruth is set free from all the self-talk, from all the things that Naomi's saying, for everything that's wrong in Ruth's world, she's like. I have come to trust the God of Israel. That's it. I, no matter what lays before me, where I go, where I don't go, what I'm just going to keep moving forward. So then all the chatter loses its power because no matter what comes, I'm just going to keep going anyway. This is what it's like to be under the shadow of God's wings. Okay? I'm going to trust God no matter what. Because really, honestly, what other choice do we have? You can't go back and get unsaved. You can't go back and get unbaptized. You can't go back. I mean, you can go back to the world, but you're going to find real quick the world hates you and you don't belong there, and there's nothing but restlessness there. This is the rest that comes from trusting God. Ruth is finding rest now because none of that other stuff moves her. Now, she's not signing up for misery. She's just trusting in God no matter what. So Ruth is like, you know what, Naomi? Keep it coming. Make your list. But my answer is this. I'm not going back. That's it. In fact, I'm just going to write that down so I don't have to keep, like, like, Naomi's like, I guess I got nothing left to say. Does that make sense? Okay, so. Key point number three. Unless we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, we will stay conformed to this wishy-washy wicked world. The world is just nothing but being tossed to and fro. Orpah's going to go back, but you know she's conflicted. She's weeping and crying as she kisses her mother and her sister and then goes back. I mean, it's just... So it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed unto this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or it's James chapter 1, verse 8. A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Change your mind the good way, not the bad way. Make sense? Okay, so 
let's talk about this. We got a question here, and we've we've got a little time. We can discuss this as a group. All right. So, what was your question? When did you talk about Orber wishy washiness after she leaves? Did she regret not going with with Ruth or Naomi? Does it say how she, if she had a yeah, so the question is, what about Orpah after Ruth chapter 1, you know, verse 15? So the, the answer is this. The Bible itself gives us no more history on Orpah. Okay, I think that's probably instructive. At the point at which you go back to the world, it's kind of like, eh, your part in the story ends until you're ready to come back, which study out John Mark in the book of Acts. John Mark was the servant who went with Barnabas and Paul on his missionary journey. Then what happened? John Mark, they got into an argument over John Mark because what did John Mark do? He forsook him. He was the their servant going there to be their helper in Pamphilus. He got tired of it all. This was harder than he thought. He goes back home, but he was Barnabas's nephew. So now the next time they're ready to go on a journey, they got into this big argument. But later, okay, Peter disciples John Mark. And later, when everyone had forsaken Paul, you know who he asked for? John Mark. So there is redemption at the point where someone's like, okay, I'm coming back to the Lord. He's like, God's got open arms ready to receive them. Now with Orpah specifically, okay, there is a lot of Jewish tradition about Orpah. You want to know what they say? The Jews say that, that, that Orpah and Ruth went four miles with Naomi before Orpah went back. So for every mile she went, God gave her a son, but these sons were Nephilim. These sons were giants. So the four giants that were the brother, like what, what Jewish tradition does is it makes Orpah contrast with Ruth. So where Ruth is this like, the only virtuous woman in scripture to be revered and honored. And she was the icon of godliness and virtue. Orpah was slutty and evil. Basically like doing prostitute, temple, like evil, heathen, sex practices at the sacrifice of the altars out in the grove like she was a paradigm of everything evil contrasted with Ruth and the giants that were in the land that David and his men fought against were the children of Orpah now there's nothing in the Bible that says that that's Jewish tradition okay so to answer the short answer is yeah we don't know anything about Orpah we do know God's gracious and ready to receive. Jewish tradition has all that stuff. They, they use the Hebrew text. They say, oh, this word was mistranslated. Really, instead of Rafa, it's Orpah. Like, it, there's nothing to their, 
nothing biblical in terms of actually studying the text of the Bible to say that, but it is interesting. Yes, Patrick. Yeah, so why was Naomi not encouraged that Ruth wanted to come with her? Yeah, so why wasn't Naomi celebrating Ruth's presence? Why do you guys think? What do you think? All right, Shelly says, Naomi was depressed. Call me not Naomi, pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. So Naomi was less of a believer than Ruth. Yeah, so Naomi's in a bad place spiritually. Uh, Ruth is actually like full of like hope and Yeah. Yeah. All right, Scott says this fits the picture also. Yeah, so Scott says, Naomi, who represents like Israel and the law, all we're seeing is grief and debt and loss and bitterness. I don't know if you've tried to follow the law before, but that's kind of where it leads, okay? But Naomi, who represents the church, there's faith, is what Freed was saying. Naomi's like full of faith, and then there's grace through faith. Yeah. Does that answer your question? So the picture is there. And I think also personally, Mara is just full of bitterness. She's not anyone we'd want to emulate. The book is not called Naomi. Uh, Keith. Okay. But at some point, if you don't know the band, it's going to win. It's kind of exciting to see him get away. All right. So maybe, so, so Keith is saying Naomi is going back to somewhere where she's been, but for Ruth, maybe there's some anticipation of something new. So, yeah. Uh, Phyllis. Yeah. So Naomi's experiences have left her bitter and without hope, whereas Ruth uh, had hope, had faith. Okay, so 
In terms of application, here's what I've written down, and, and this will be in closing, I think. Number one, be transformed. Change your mind according to Romans chapter one, Romans verses, uh, chapter 12, verses one and two. Change your mind first, then live out that change. Ruth is like, I have left Moab. I'm following God. Like, there's, there is no going, like, going back is, isn't possible because of the change that's happened in me. Okay. Instead of trying to change, and then maybe eventually your identity will change, like, try to change your habits, and then maybe my mind will change. No, no. Look, read about who you are in Christ. Reckon that to be true. For example, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I do the reckoning first, then I live out the righteousness. Okay, I learn how to live out who I am in Christ. I'm not trying to become who I am in Christ. Change your mind and then live it out. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. Okay, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Okay, then learn how to live that out. You're created under good works, but don't get that wrong. And then the other thing for us, it's simple. The, the way before us is clear. Ruth is going to, to, to Judah, to Jerusalem. We're not going to Judah, Jerusalem. Where are we going? Well, salvation, believer's baptism, discipleship, ministry, plugged in. in the, the way for us is clear. Just keep moving forward. It's so simple. Just there is no going back to the world. And that's the kind of mind change we need to have. Otherwise, we're going to be conflicted all the time. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for this group. God, I thank you that I get to be a part of it. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you that Nick is going home. I pray that he'll be restored unto wellness and we'll be able to love on him uh, with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so be looking for the stuff on the WhatsApp group and then be looking for, for next week's potluck and then also be looking for something um, for, from Amra on how to help Nick.